So here I am on my computer trying to get tickets to San Diego Comic-Con. Fuck, it's sold out. What am I going to do? Real nerds, we'll be at the Denver Comic-Con, June 15th, 16th, and 17th. Come see us live, live, live. In Colorado, there is only one place that has the best selection of collectibles. Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics. For over 27 years, Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics has been the ultimate destination for collectors. They have a wide selection of hard-to-find coins, action figures, role-playing cards. You can go over there and get yourself a copy of Dominion uh, and sports memorabilia. Hey, Peyton Manning's a Bronco. I was there yesterday. They have a signed Peyton Manning jersey. And, of course, they've got comics, which is what I go there for. All their back issues are half off. On Saturday, all dollar issues are only 50 cents. And if you sign up for a hold slot, you'll get 20% off graphic novels and comics. So stop by 6700 Wadsworth Boulevard in Arvada, Colorado, and tell them the real nerd sent you. Hey, loyal listeners of Real Nerds, I am Ryan. To my right is... James. And in Budapest this week is Brad. He's exploring Vlad the Impeller's castle. He's going to see if he can find Dracula. That's kind of cool, Brad. It's really cold up here. <laughs> it's not con- very echoey in a castle. Uh, that was... I'm shivering, James. Oh, oh, okay. Not All very right. echoey in that castle, though, is it? Oh, it will be after post. Nice, that... <laughs> nice. Wait, wait to take that out. See, a lot of people don't know that Brad is a world traveler, so every week when we do this show, Brad is in a new place. It's kind of like where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Yeah, only he's always right here. He is, but you know. I'm a missionary of movies. He is. He he spreads the love around the world. Don't say missionary news. and spreads. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a sexual innuendo for all it those was. people out there who yeah. don't know that. Uh, anyways, this week we saw The Cabin in the Woods. Real news. It's real news. So, hey guys, guess who at the number one movie last week was? Uh, what movie did we see? Well, we saw American Reunion. That one? No, it wasn't. What? It wasn't. Huh? How could that be? I know. Uh, <laughs> there were all those 20 douchebags in that showing. How could that not have won the weekend? I know, right? But for so the third was it, week, was it Wrath of the Titans? Yes. Oh, okay. For the third week Finally. in a row, The Hunger Games was number one with $33.1 million. And American Union came in at number two with $21 million. Man. And there's a good chance The Hunger Games will win again this week. Oh, man. I know, right? So, yeah, that's, that's the news uh, for the box <laughs> office performance this week. <laughs> is Exciting. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> You know, when the Avengers cracks $200 million, <laughs> opening weekend, we'll, yeah, when, we'll be when excited. When we have to talk about the same movie for the third weekend in a row, it's like, well... Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I still don't think that movie was good enough. So I guess it's Whoever popular. works at Lionsgate to set up the programming for this month really uh, like hit it out of the park. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. they're taking note. Uh, Disney is releasing some big movie in March next year. Is it uh, The Lone Ranger? Is that next mark? <laughs> is that a big movie? For well, they, they're, I think they're trying to launch it as a franchise. Oh, no, I know Ugh. Disney's trying to take over that slot because how well The Hunger Games is doing. I was reading an article. Don't remember where. Don't remember the exact content of it, so that was a worthless thing I just <laughs> so said. So most of it is lies. Probably. But, hey, you know what's not lies? The numbers reported by Box Office Mojo. Which is where we got that information. It is not, totally where we got that information from. Yeah. Um, next week, 
on DVDs, one of the movies I've been waiting for. Ghost Protocol? Ghost Protocol awesome. comes out on Blu-ray. Uh, I, How long have you had that pre- uh, pre-ordered for? Like a month and a half. So every, every Tuesday comes around and I'm like, is this the week that comes out? Did I pay $30 for that on Saturday? I don't remember. But they... they they will only charge your card the lowest price. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you'll you'll be good. I think it's and like actually, I think seventeen ninety nine. If, it, if right they now. drop the price in the next couple of days, they refund me too. Because oh, I've, wow. I've had that happen. That's because Amazon is awesome. If you don't know, what we're talking about. Yup. Love Amazon. Also, Frozen Planet with Attenborough doing the uh, narration is on Blu-ray DVD. Richard Attenborough. Yeah, because I think um. Is it Oprah name? again? No, um, guy from Thirty Rock and uh, Clerks the Animated Series. Yeah, the black Bowie. guy. No, Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, yes. He I had narrates. to say it three times before he listened to me. <laughs> he has headphones on. James uh, was talking over you. Yeah, but nothing um, I was saying was intelligent. So <laughs> yeah. why Alec would Baldwin you listen? Narrates the American version because I watched an episode. So yeah. is it oh. good? Yeah, it's, it's like Planet Earth thing. Just pretty. Just frozen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> there's no jungles. There's no. Yeah. Um, and a movie I actually like meant Richard to uh, would be better. See last year, but I never got around to it. Shame comes out on blu-ray and dvd hmm. which i'll probably pick up at Redbox. i don't think i'm going to spend 17 dollars see michael fassbender's dick that's really a shame oh hey ah, look at this pun guy this, this pun you. pun machine all right that's it that's my joke i'm going home <laughs> um and also american dad volume seven it's on volume seven already wow oh uh, how did they DVD. not cancel that show seven seasons ago i don't know i was i've been watching on adult swim i think it's pretty funny all right all right that's it i'm going home so, did you know that if you log on to digitalbits.com and you click on their box art, you can order directly from Amazon yes. and you support Digital Bits where we get all our information on release dates from. So, thank you. I knew that because we, t- we talk about it every week. We do. So, I mean, I'm just trying to you know, help us out here. Oh, oh, for the people <laughs> listening, right? Yeah, because, I mean, I don't give a shit about you. I give a shit about our people that listen. Well, you don't have to say it out loud. Well, I was thinking it, so I didn't want to. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's the the releases um thank you thank you digital bits and you remember you can follow us on twitter real underscore nerds and you can also email us real nerds at gmail.com and if you want to hit us directly you can also like us on facebook like everybody else real nerds podcast in case you couldn't find us on facebook even though you're listening to real nerds podcast you're like huh, how can i find these guys on facebook <laughs> it's real nerds podcast come on don't talk down to the audience well i'm just cu- you know i'm just i don't know <laughs> I'm better than everybody else. I'm just kidding. Come on. This is true. I, I, I am playing the Thor right now where I just think I'm awesome. You know, like he does when he oh, comes to oh, Earth. Oh, I thought you just meant because Chris Hensworth is really, really puts really on handsome. a Tebow jersey. He thinks he's the bad, <laughs> baddest <laughs> ass guy ever. <laughs> I know. Uh, so did you guys know that they finally revealed where The Simpsons takes place? Springfield. This has been Springfield. true from the beginning. Yeah. Like Springfield, Oregon. Oh, what oh it was like in the real after. world. Oh. Yeah, in the real world. Oh, that's weird. He announced that. And it's, I mean, if you follow The Simpsons forever, it's kind of a long-running joke on The Simpsons that, hey, the Springfield is everywhere because I think every state has a Springfield. Yeah. There is a Springfield, Colorado, which we're from. There's a lot of Springfield places. <laughs> there is. But I don't know why they need to reveal it. Like, I, like that's yeah, part it, of the joke that I enjoyed that, that you yeah. can never figure it out. And now it's like a definitive place. It just, I don't well, know why people are so anxious to know. Yeah. I mean, he's just really appealing to the hardcore fans. And, you know, whatever. At this point, who cares? I mean, the show gets canceled next season anyway, so... It... And I'll watch the last episode. I haven't watched a new episode in, like, seven years. So. Yeah, me neither. Though I saw an episode recently, like an old repeat, some episode with Lisa. I don't remember which one. Uh, and it was still really great. That oh, show, yeah, the first, like, seven seasons man, are amazing. It really holds up. 
Speak of amazing, did you guys read the interview with Amazing Spider-Man director Mark Webb this week? Uh, no, I didn't. I skipped that article because I knew you were going to tell me about it. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. Is really? your spider sense tingling about it? Uh, wait. No. Okay, well, mine is. Okay. Uh, so he's going to spread the origin out over a couple movies. Really? Uh, not and not the the. Here's a little um, thing that I actually liked when I read the, his uh, little interview. Um, he's taken his parents' origin and spreading it out over a couple movies. Okay. But what I liked what he, he said in the interview because one of, I've been talking about this a long time. One of my biggest fears about this movie is they're not going to kill Uncle Ben. Yeah. Not that killing anybody's good, but I mean that's who Spider Man is. No. Yeah. Without that um, that character dying, there is no Spider Man. And it kind like, of a it's like Batman's parents, like exactly. And a kind of a throwaway thing he said at the end. He said Uncle Ben's death transforms him emotionally, but not. It, but it happens in a different way. So, as long as uh, Peter Parker is some way responsible for Uncle Ben's death, and he learns from it, I think's okay. If you don't want to have him shot by a burglar, because I mean, yeah, you know that's fine. I don't think that is what's what's important. I think uh, it's interesting that he is going to be Spider-Man before Uncle Ben is dead. That's yeah. what's weird. Yeah, he did say too that there's going to be no wrestling match. There's going to be no. That's cool because they already TV. did yeah. it perfectly. They and don't... so exactly. So I'm kind of hoping too that after reading that, that maybe the origin isn't a flashback. That you know, it it's just be. these quick little things, and he, you know, yeah. So we'll see. Um, also, but it also probably means whatever the third movie is, Green Goblin. Totally, it better be throwing Gwen Stacy off a bridge. Yeah. Oh yes, that'd be amazing. Spider Man. Oh, I so want to see Emma Stone die. Oh. No, wait, that's not what I meant. But you know, you know <laughs> what? Uh, what I love is I hope the next movie is called The Spectacular Spider Man, and Ooh. then the third one, The Sensational Spider Man. We'll see. Um, Which is weird because they're really... Sensational, then spectacular Spider-Man. What's weird is they're all pretty much based on the ultimate Spider-Man, which we will talk about later. We will, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, (laughs) And the last little bit of news I have is uh, more comic book stuff, but something I'm really excited for. The Avengers had its world premiere um, yesterday in L.A., but a little cool part about the premiere is they are filming a new scene tonight Mm -hmm. because they uh i read some tweets from some celebrities and my favorite one is from damon lindelof and he said the hulk we've been waiting for has at last arrived which is cool but hashtagged avengers fuck yeah (laughs) so uh and and i was reading a lot of tweets from uh seth green and guys like that and i guess mark ruffalo's hulk almost steals the movie so weird kind of interesting because people were a little i guess the character they're most worried about was him stepping into the role yeah, he's of the, the rockiest one so f- in that group because everybody yeah. else has a at least one solid movie well unless you didn't like captain america and then uh, you're behind a, then you're a commie <laughs> well that's true i mean you're a reasonable film goer but you're definitely a communist um but no you know yeah but you're right because the other ones even i think captain america is great a Thor was great. Iron Man was great. And the truth is, I think Incredible Hulk is a great movie. I think so too. But it's not him. It's not yeah. Mark Ruffalo. Um, and so, and it's been a, it's it, it's not one that people talk about. Yeah. You know, I don't think people necessarily realize that that movie is the one that leads into. And this. if they if they watch the uh, Thor D, uh, Blu-ray and you watch the Consultant, how it ties yeah. everything in there, Tony Stark's a consultant uh, is awesome. So. That was kind of cool things that I read this week, and but I guess there's still even a post credit thing that they've already filmed. So I don't yeah. know if they're adding to it as well. But that's kind of cool that they're. I mean, that movie comes out in three weeks. 
Yeah. And they're filming one more scene to put in the movie. So no one knows what the last scene is, I guess. Yeah. And we talked about this in the car too, but he also said that they cut out the they cut out the scene that I I just expected was going to be the way the movie starts, to be honest with you, where Captain America goes and visits the woman. I don't remember Sharon her name. Carter? Um what? Is it Sharon Carter? No. Yes. Penny. Penny. Peggy yeah. Carter. Peggy Carter. Okay, whatever her name is. Her daughter Sharon. Uh, who shoots Captain America in the comic books. He, That's he goes to visit her and like we get this really emotional scene and Joss Whedon said it was the best scene that he thinks he wrote for the whole movie and he cut it out for That's pacing right. reasons. You know, um, um, Blu-ray is going to have 45 minutes of deleted scenes. Yeah. Oh, well, and, uh, you know, Kevin Smith once gave me 20 minutes on why that's an important thing to do in your movie. Exactly. So, uh, I totally understand why he did it. It just makes me sad. It'll be on the DVD. It will. That's what um, I got for real news. Uh, Hey, do you guys remember all those times that they talked about how they were going to make another Sin City movie? Yeah. Yeah, they're still talking about how they're going to make that. That was the news. Like, really, they they put out (laughs) an article this week like, hey, no, seriously, we're still going to make that. Um, that I mean, that's I have no real interest in. Well, isn't Robert those. Rodriguez trying to make like six movies right now? Yeah, and three of them are probably kids' movies, and they'll be garbage. <laughs> Shorts too! Yay! I forgot he made that movie. Oh, <laughs> uh, everyone did. I tried to block it from my mind. He's a cool filmmaker when he wants to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because he's doing Machete too as well. Machete kills. Um, which there and was then some... Machete kills again. <laughs> I love Machete. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. I still have not seen it. I have a Blu-ray. You can borrow it. Okay, cool. Sounds good. The Blu-ray is disappointing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not the movie. Not you the mean movie. It's packed. Yeah, what's packed? Like with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're also AMC this week has been talking to Robert Kirkman because uh, you know he he created The Walking Dead. And, he did all by himself, and that show was doing really really well, um, and saving that network from having to cancel some of the shows that they really love. Uh, and some of the shows they should cancel, like The Killing. But um, <laughs> ratings uh, are down thirty four percent. They just started at Image Comics. They just started a book that Kirkman did the story, but not the scripting for, called Thief of Thieves, which I haven't read yet. You haven't read it either, have you? No. Um, but it's getting pretty good reviews. People are talking about it a lot, uh, and they're talking about making that into a TV show as well, which is weird because honestly, my first reaction was like. AMC needs to step away from Robert Kirkman a little. Like, mm-hmm. I I like the idea of making more Robert Kirkman things into TV shows, but not. I don't want it to be the Robert Kirkman sh- channel. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just makes me a little nervous because yeah. um, when one of those fail, I don't know what it means if that show fails or if you know. The, you the know. only thing I can relate it to is uh, I thought Buffy suffered the first season. Joss Whedon wasn't on it season four yeah. when they had angel as at the same time yeah because i think angel season one is actually really good yep. but uh buffy uh some of the stories in season four are amazing um the gentleman uh what's his hush yeah and a couple other ones but then it, it really lacked in some of them. bad beer i can't stand oh it's the only episode of buffy i can't watch i can sit down and watch didn't, any of them didn't he actually say it was like decanonized or no on the dvd he actually he makes did. a joke about like and that one episode that you know you yeah. know which one i'm talking yeah, about he, is really he says bad. um we've had amazing episodes this season and one we'll never talk about again or something yeah, like it's that such, it's, such, in, it's such an it's after school special yeah so. it's in my uh dvd guide or something on yeah for the season four but yeah i buffy? i, I hadn't even like, thought about what you're what what you are getting at which is that if he goes over to thief of thieves how will that make yeah. walking dead suffer yeah um but i mean they're in the early talk so it's not like that's necessarily going to happen but it's interesting because i anytime the amc starts talking about what their next show is going to be i start paying attention because yeah i expect it to be good the killing mm-hmm. go shove it um 
but uh anyway i i think it's exciting I'm, i look forward to it um what else happened this week brad you don't have anything do you yeah, i got two things um Go since they can't seem to come to an agreement on the actors contracts for the office they're thinking about doing a reboot of the show what wait what i did not see this uh yeah i, I read it on uh, via av club um i guess because they still the figured club, out is it real <laughs> it's the onion yeah i know that's what i mean is it real yeah like the article oh <laughs> i know i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah is no actually it, it's veiled in humor but yeah um, yeah at the same time i think it's real news um but yeah they they krasinski uh fisher um and then dwight might go off and still do his farm show the farm yeah uh but they'll put like a whole new younger cast in the office with maybe a, one or two so they're pulling people a scr- still there they're pulling a scrubs yeah yeah which look how well that turned out yeah yep that i don't want to see i would just have it rather have it just end yeah that's what i said a it. year ago <laughs> like the that's the problem. When you run a show for however many seasons that was, seven seasons mm-hmm. up until Steve Carell left, yep. um, that's a good run. Seven seasons is good. Finish it. Like, mm-hmm. give it an ending and let it die in peace. Uh, no, don't just beat it to death and bleed it for everything it's got because then you get this bullshit. Like, whatever this season is, it's going to be half good. And then people are going to remember The Office as that show that was really good for a while instead of that really special show yeah. that was great for a long time. Yep. Well, I just recently watched Cheers, and after Shelley Long left, like some of those seasons toward the end are pretty bad, but no one remembers Cheers as being like a show that died. Well, because that's <laughs> not that's not a show where they changed half the cast and where, yeah. you know, the, the main... The cast, but... Yeah, no, yeah, they changed... They changed one of the characters who was in the in the love triangle, um, which yeah, I mean that's a big deal, but it's not this. I, don't I love Kirstie Alley. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I hated Sam and Diane. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I I felt like given what they had this season, they actually still maintained a pretty quality show. Although yeah. they've been on hiatus, and the episode they left us on was kind of like meh. Mm-hmm. So hopefully how they. How many your brother mother did that too? Yeah, hopefully they. Uh, I think there's like four episodes left, so hopefully they really do some kind of game changing thing, or maybe they are preparing for the cleaning house. We don't know. And then uh, Entertainment Weekly released images of Anne Hathaway in her Catwoman suit. I just got that issue today. Yeah, they did. Oh, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I, weird. I don't. It doesn't look that different from when she's writing on the. Uh, bat pod or yeah. whatever version she has uh so i wasn't that shocked yeah, yeah it um but the thing with you know the batman movies is the publicity stills you really don't get any idea yeah. of like what's going on in the movie i mean and, and costume wise it's um it never really tells you how that costume is going to look on film like captain america is like that too every time i see a still from the avengers i think man that captain america costume looks like garbage um but then you see the, and I felt that way about uh, one of the other Avengers movies, but I don't remember which one right now. Um, and then you see it on film, and they they end up looking fine. And the Catwoman one, it looks a little bit costumey, you know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't quite look like it's grounded in reality the way that I feel like they Man they pulled off. In the, well, no, no, I think <laughs> no, no, I know, but the conceit of the movie is Batman, so I forgive it that. Yeah. And there's an origin there, so I understand where it came from. Plus, I think they do a good job of making it look pretty militaristic, uh, yeah. whereas. Hers looks like they're making 
It, it it looks more like a costume out of an Avengers movie, which is more of a comic booky kind of movie. Whereas I feel like Christopher Nolan's uh, comic book movies are more. They're so much more grounded in reality. I feel like that it it I don't know. It throws me off a little, but I'm sure that in the movie it'll be great. Yeah, we'll see. As long as the CG in that football field looks better than it does in the trailer, that movie's going to be great. Most anticipated movie of the year. Not for me. Not for me either, but you know. <laughs> but hey, f- hey, 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 one least, at least one okay. of us. At least one of us says, uh, wait, wait, Brad, are you saying that it is yours or that it's not yours? Uh, I, uh, I have several, or yeah, a couple. No, yeah, it's not, not your most anticipated movie of the year? I don't have a ranking system. It's oh one of God. them. Oh, my God. How have you not been working on your ranking system? Didn't you get the memo? No, Fudge. I didn't. Oh, I think well. you didn't send one out. We'll work on this. Brad's not big on ranking anything. For next week, we'll get a ranking system in place. I'm like, hey, God, bureaucracy. Fuck. (laughs) Well, you know, when we we force him to stick to numbers, he puts things like Hobo with a Shotgun at number one. Yeah, So how can we even trust this? We can't. (laughs) Oh, you're just setting yourself up for a grand old number one this year. I know. It's going to be freaking Father's Day. No, it's going to be doubt, man. Stick it to you so hard. It's going to be a 2009 (laughs) movie. I watched it I'll this dig farther year. back. I'll dig, like Gone with the Wind or something. <laughs> Rathacon, because we'll we'll see Rathacon okay. in theaters. So he'll make that his movie of the year. I can already see it. Cool. Is that what you Fuck got, you, James? Uh, That's I all got, I got. I've got two more quick things. Um, one is a one is a follow up to this thing we've been following with the MPAA, um, which is that uh, people have been yelling about the MPAA for years. I usually, hate you, MPAA. Yeah, I mean they're they are a bag of dicks, but. <laughs> Um, never heard that. Before. I've never seen. I've heard it. I've never seen a like bag a, of dicks, like a big time director really throw down the gauntlet. And uh, Ridley Scott to me is one of the most. He's one of the guys in Hollywood that I respect. Or one of the directors, I should say, that I respect the most. Like I put him in the same league as like Spielberg and people like that. That's actually a really short list. I think Spielberg is the only other one on it. Um, <laughs> but uh, this year, this week, he was in an interview and he was talking about how they were rating Prometheus, and he basically. He he said like yeah that whole that whole company or that whole organization is is messed up and specifically said that they need to get their house together. Uh, he he called the whole rating system just sort of ridiculous, um, and it, it it's weird. I've like I said I, it's it's okay for the little guys to say things about that, um, but to have somebody like him who is so well respected come out and say like yeah this whole thing is broken and needs to get fixed, uh, I think is a big deal. Yeah, I mean it, that's what they need. They need uh, an act. Uh, I mean, a director like him to be the one who leads the charge. Or yeah, it's never going to change. I mean, I don't know if he's going to necessarily do that because he's he's pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, but just to have somebody like that who is that forward about it mm-hmm. is kind of nice. Because um, yeah, it's true. Like uh, his his kind of point was like, okay, if Prometheus fails because they rated a, uh, give it an R rating instead of a PG thirteen everyone loses like so many people have spent money on this and people who want to see this movie aren't going to get into it no one no one wins by making this movie r instead of pg-13 it's going to hurt the entire industry and i mean he doesn't say if prometheus but he, yeah, he but, said if a big movie fails but, but didn't he uh, say that he knew prometheus was going to be rated r yeah i mean i think he made it to be rated r yeah. but his point Wait, was like i thought it was pg-13 no i don't know no it's not rated yet um, mm-hmm. That's why they were asking him about it because they're not the original really sure. Aliens rated R, so oh, that, that did but, okay. Yeah, but in 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 the seventies, that rating system was different. Uh, first of all, there was oh, no PG thirteen. Right. Yeah. Plus, um, rated R didn't have like like now it's gotten so 
uh, economized where it's like, well, there are G movies that families go see and there are PG-13 movies that everyone goes see, goes and sees. And if you fall into either of the other categories, you do not make as much money. Like R-rated movies just don't make as much money. That's why The Dark Knight wasn't rated R. It's not really because that movie should have been rated PG-13. It's because too many people would have lost too much money if that movie was rated R. Oh, yeah. It's all political. Could it yeah. have been rated R? <laughs> yes. I don't think so. No, I think it should be. Yeah. Uh, I think that compared to things that they've rated R, yes, I think that movie should have been rated R. Wow. I mean, this. remember, this is the year that Slumdog Millionaire was rated R for violence. I don't remember enough of that to... Yeah, it's because there's a scene where he gets electrocuted, which by comparison to the things that, that the Joker does and, and how shocking some of those things <laughs> are. He did it. I bet. <laughs> he said electrocuted and he said shocking. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. Anyway. Don't things get electrocuted like when Iron Man flies around and shoots things? You're... No, 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 no. I mean, it, it's a more intense scene than Iron Man shooting stuff. I mean, All these the judgment calls doesn't seem right. No, there is a scene where no, yeah, no, I, I'm anyway. I'm commenting on the MPA. Yeah, and the other thing is that there's some douchebag who wants to fuck up Short Circuit and make uh, Johnny Five into like a man destroying hardcore badass instead of wait what? Yeah, he he wants to make Johnny Five into like this hardcore militaristic machine instead of having him be this sort of in, innocent robot, which is what makes that movie fun and a family movie. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to see a short circuit movie like he is describing. It makes me sad. <laughs> short circuit. Johnny Five is the new RoboCop. Yeah. No. That. Yeah. That's kind of what he explained. He uh, like described. It's it's creepy. Wow. I don't want to see it. Remember in the eighties when robots and aliens were friendly? Yes. <laughs> now they're all now they're all out to kill us. You know, like Predator. Well, Predator is awesome. Yeah. But he's really aliens. not evil, is he? Is I mean, he's just going there to hunt. Yeah. Does yeah. that make him a bad guy? He's just a warrior. Apparently, in yeah. the in the canon, what they say is that the predators, the predators from the predator movies, are rogues, and that like they're they're too pussy to fight like real monsters, so they come and fight us. Really? Yeah, that's like, cool. Like that, actual predators are supposed to be hunting cooler stuff, like that like should the, be the alien next pro- predator movie. Why don't they just follow a bunch of predators yeah. hunting monsters? That'd be sweet. I know, right? Yeah, screw the humans. Yeah, yeah fuck the humans. Exactly, because that's the whole dialogue. thing. Is that when you look at that movie, you're like. Do you guys really think that, like, the hu- for how easy it is for him to kill humans? Really? They're sending him here to train, you know, on killing us? Like, they're way more advanced. I think Predators is a cool movie, though. So no, the- it is. I'm just talking about in that universe. Like, Because, I mean, how cool is the scene in Predator 2 when that, you know, the door opens and he has all those trophies of the different looking skulls? And- exactly. Actually, that's the only cool scene in Predator 2. They should send the Predator to fight the Kraken. <laughs> yes. I want to see that movie. <laughs> Predators versus Greek gods. You know Samurai hamsters, predators fighting krakens. I should be a producer. You should. And Sam Worthington can, can just have a mask on and go... <laughs> every, all, like, constantly. <laughs> then he doesn't have an accent at all. You know, one of the... Uh, great segue, by the way. Uh, our new... You can't call it out before you do the segue. That ruins the segue beforehand. No, because I was going to... Uh, anyways. We have a... Not a very good segue Our new now. sponsor this week is my favoriteest comic store in the whole world. Mine too. Yep, Brad's. Um, it would be my favorite, but it's like 35 minutes away from my house. Should still be your favorite. Coin, Colorado, lazy. Coins, Cards, and Comics has agreed to sponsor us. And because uh, I, w- I wanted to do a comic book angle because I read comic books all the time. And so does James. Brad, you do too. But, uh, you know, I, I thought it'd be fun to have. A- I haven't picked a name for it. I was going to call it Comic Book Corner. But it doesn't even have to have a name. 
It could be what I'm reading, what I'm reading this week, <laughs> and it's comic books. Um, so, but I'll, I'll just go into a quick story because I, I wanted to add a human element to this part of our podcast. I always kid and stuff. Um, when I got into comic books, my parents just got a divorce, and I went to uh, a new elementary school, and I was in second grade, I believe, and uh, I my mom didn't have any money, so we didn't have anything cool at all. And I remember the kids at our school had comic book cards, the Marvel comic book cards. Yeah. The very first ones. And um, I had a friend named Jimmy, and he gave me all his doubles. And the first card I ever I was ever given to, uh, to me, and I still have it, is Spider-Man versus the Green Goblin. Oh. And uh, so I took the card and I read the back about how the Green Goblin is responsible for the death of Gwen Stacy. And I cherish that card to this day. And... Ever re- after ever reading that card, it got not only got me into comic books, but it got me into Spider-Man and the Green Goblin. And uh, the next week, I went to my father's house because my parents were divorced. So on weekends, I went with my dad. And I told my dad how cool I thought Spider-Man was. And my dad said, hey, we should go to a comic book store up the street from where I live. And that comic book store is Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics, which has, no been, way. Yeah, which has been there for 27 years. And so my dad took me there, and he says... He said, Ryan, you can pick any three Spider-Man comics you want. Um, I was like, cool. So I, I went up to the guy there, and I, I don't remember if it was the owner, Bruce, or whoever. And I said, I, I like the Green Goblin. And so he took me to a section um, in the back for the Spectacular Spider-Man, and there was a six-part series called The Child Within. And it starred the Green Goblin and Spider-Man and this villain named Vermin. And to this day, it's still one of my most favorite stories um, and so it, it really meant a lot to me that they agreed to sponsor our show because I grew up in this comic book store. I love comic books. And that's my story about how I got into comic books and the Green Goblin and Spider-Man. And now I'm a huge fan. And um, so, you know, it's a, it's, it sounds really hokey, but it was a really tough part of my life when, you know, my parents are divorced and you have nothing to cling to. But that my father would take me and get comic books. And comic books were kind of a way for me to not only read and um, love these characters, but to meet new friends, you know, we would trade comic book uh, cards and I always try to get Spider-Man and the green goblin and all Spider-Man's villains. I always wanted the hobgoblin. I remember the hobgoblin was really hard to find. So that's, uh, so it meant a lot to me that they agreed to sponsor our show. And that store manager must've been an idiot back then because (laughs) when your dad says, Hey, go pick three (laughs) of any Spider-Man comic you want. And he leads you back there. He doesn't pick the golden age ones. They're like 50 bucks a piece up top. Yeah, he should have these. <laughs> yeah. Thank well, you, oh, Walt Flanagan. It's $150 for this issue. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, yeah. So that meant a lot to me. That's too sweet. So do we all get to tell I our not. origin stories? Yeah, if you want. Please. Do you have one? Do you have one? Sort of. I mean, it's not as tragic and like uplifting. <laughs> that that was time. tragic? Tragic no, that slash was, uplifting. That was, that was yeah. beautiful and touching. The divorce is tragic. The see, comic books are uplifting. See, see, the funny thing is is a lot of people think I can't be serious, but I, I mean, I do have good stories. I mean, I really do. But anyways, Brad, your story. It better be good. Mine's like the... Yeah, sp- let's do me next, because uh, if it does fail, James can pick well, it up. Well, <laughs> my origin story is like Spider-Man. Yours better not be like Magnus, the robot fighter. I don't even know what that is. Um... <laughs> Valiant Comics, nineteen ninety. Oh man! Oh no, my! Uh, you just you just won the geek battle. Just right there. Oh, it's over. Uh, I think I was ten, eleven, twelve, somewhere around there. Um, my family would take like two month long road trips, vacations uh, across the country and stuff. And uh, I think this one 
year we went up to Idaho or something. And along the way, um, I started picking up the Batman Nightfall series. Mm -hmm. So as we would stop at different convenience stores, I would get the different releases as it went along. Oh, so yeah, that's a big one. Was that, That's the one where he broke his back, yeah, correct? Yeah, that's where Bane appeared and broke Batman's back. And I remember getting uh, Irony. that one issue where on the front he's just like broken in half oh, yeah, on the I cover. Oh, yeah, Yeah, it was cool. But at the same time, like as I was going through all those different convenience stores across the country, I was getting not the official comic. I was getting the newsstand version. Oh, yeah. So it's <laughs> like the, the least edition. valuable versions. Yeah. yeah. And they're all, you know, not protected in things. But yeah, I'd, by the end of the trip, I'd have like a stack this big in the hmm. car. And then, um, yeah, so I, I did the nightfall thing. And then uh, a couple years later, when I got back into Ninja Turtles, um, I found a comic book store up in Evergreen, Evergreen called JRR Comics. And they just had tons of obscure stuff because they didn't have as many people you know digging through and selecting things so then i got on a big like original ninja turtles eastman and laird kick you know i found, yeah discovered the history of all that because my knowledge up to that point was the movies and the cartoon yeah so and then uh there's also an image ninja turtles at the same time that no one else seemed to be interested in and those are kind of hard to find now so yep that was uh my introduction to comics nice. I um, mine is less interesting because it's not that long ago. Uh, my second year of college, I was living on my own in an apartment. Uh, and when you live on your own, and you only and you, uh, this was also when I was changing majors. So I was taking just bullshit classes where I had no work to do. Um, so what I did was I got in really into podcasts, and I was watching like, like, f like five or six different podcasts every day. Um, one of them was one called Geekscape, which is still around. You should check it out. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other one was the Totally Rad Show, which had just started up. It was sort of a spinoff of Dignation, kind of. Um, and they both, especially Geekscape, talked a lot about comics. And it started getting me into it, and I was like, this is, you know, maybe I should try this out. Um, I had read some of Watchmen, but hadn't finished it uh, the year before, um, just because I had gotten distracted um, and I went and I picked up, uh, Ultimates, Why the Last Man, Preacher, The Runaways, and The Walking Dead, uh, at this comic store in Fort Collins, uh, called Griffin's, uh, Comics and Games, which is still there, and if you are in Fort Collins, you should totally go see, because that place is awesome. Um, and the, uh, the first one that I read was The Walking Dead, which, that was when, when I started seeing how he would treat page turns, that was when it blew me away. I was like, this medium is just, I had never seen any, I didn't, I'd never thought about comics being something like that. Like I had read some like that, like you were talking about Brad, where we'd go on vacations and I'd pick them up on at convenience stores. But the problem is I'd get like, you know, Jedi versus Sith number two and number three while we were on vacation. And then there was no place around my house where I could get the rest of them. Um, cause there's not really a comic shop in Highlands Ranch. Um, and not that I live in Highlands Ranch, for the record, because I don't want to, I don't want to yoke myself to that. Um, he lives eh. in Lone Tree, so he lives like on no, the other side. No, I do not live in Lone Tree either. I don't want to be. That, that's even worse. Um, and uh, anyway, so I read The Walking Dead, and that last the um, the twist at the end of the first Walking Dead, which we just saw happen on the show, uh, which we talked about on the podcast, where Carl, have you guys finished it? Okay, well, I can't ta say what it is, but it's really, really great, um, and it blew me away, and then I read Why the Last Man, and the twist, a couple pages into, or 
an issue into Why the Last Man, where you turn the page and you see York's sister as an Amazon. That was the next one where I was like, I, I right then I was hooked. Um, partially is because it's Brian K. Vaughan and he is an amazing writer. Um, but seeing these stories that I hadn't seen anywhere else and couldn't find anywhere else uh, just blew me away, and I've been hooked ever since. Nice. No, you know the one thing that James has done for me is he's got me into a lot more of the non-superhero comics. Uh, like I Kill Giants is one of my favoriteest books I've ever read. Oh, man, and so good. So yeah, so that's cool. Um, so we decided um, that we're going to start featuring a comic every week, and since I'm the one who picked it this week and I introduced it. Uh, it's actually not the first one I read. I mean, I you know, I always have a stack, and I read them in a certain order. Uh, I always read Amazing Spider-Man first, because it's the canon Spider-Man. It's yeah. the one that affects him the most. But the best Spider-Man comic on the shelves right now, it's not Ultimate, it's not Amazing, it's the Avenging Spider-Man. Um, it's basically a team-up book that isn't tied to any continuity, nothing. Huh. It just, I mean, the first three issues are amazing. It's written by Zeb Wells. And it's Spider-Man teaming up with the Red Hulk to fight Mole Man and the Whoa. Subterraneans. And it's, what? And uh, it's it's a great story. It's I mean, the Red Hulk gets killed at one point, and Spider-Man has to fight this uh, huge giant monster. And Spider-Man's getting his ass kicked. And, and typical Spider-Man, you know, he's just saying funny lines and still getting his butt kicked. And he picks up this sword and he swings it at this monster and the monster dodges, but it cuts off his lo- loincloth. And so his uh, twig and berry are showing and Spider-Man beats him because it's the ultimate humiliation <laughs> for the subterraneans and they treat him like a god. And uh, James Jonah, uh, J. Jonah Jameson gets kidnapped because he's a mayor of New York now. Yeah. And he can't believe that Spider-Man's not only a hero above, and now he's a hero below. And and the, the books are just lots of fun. So you, if you're trying to pick up a Spider-Man book that doesn't deal with lots of continuity... Um, pick up the Avenging Spider-Man because it's brilliantly written, and the art in it—it's basically it's superstars every arc. So they have a huge superstar writer and a huge superstar artist to just uh, write a few books. Who's the artist on this first run? Uh, the first one was Joe Madiera. Oh yeah, Joe Mad is his short. I don't know how yeah. to pronounce his last name, but his art is stunning, and it's really cool. And I'm really excited to read the new one. Uh, this one actually goes into a crossover with Daredevil. Which is written by Mark Wade, who's another great writer of Spider-Man. Have, and Daredevil. Do they have the artist from Daredevil right now? Because uh, those those books are beautiful. No, Paulo Rivera though he did a great run on uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, which is actually one of my I love. It's I have so many little goofy ones that I love and lately in Spider-Man. But yeah, he's he's a great artist too. So yeah, pick up the Avenging Spider-Man. I think it's on issue five. Now, you say it's not in canon, but if it's got the Red Hulk and J.J. is mayor, obviously it's it's, it's, it's based in the canon. But, like, like, the Red Hulk isn't actually dead. Yeah. They kill know, him he, in that series. Well, but he gets killed, but, like, he heals because he has... Because he's Red Hulk. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so, I mean, I mean it's just, basically... Because you said that you said no canon, and then you said Red Hulk, and I was like, Red Hulk is, like, the antithesis of no canon. Yeah, I mean, in so much that the stories don't affect what's happening in, in the right. rest of the universe. I got you. I got they're, you. They're self-contained stories. Yeah. So pick cool. up the Avenging Spider-Man at yeah, Colorado cool. Coins, Cards, and Comics. Absolutely. Awesome. What are we on to now? We're, what have I'm, we been watching? I'm, I'm so blindsided by I know. Brian's divorce story. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, what we've been watching. Uh, actually, oh, yeah. I wasn't able to watch too much this week. Um, but what I did watch is I watched the new episode of The Ultimate Spider-Man. And um, this one made me, made me really disenchanted with it. Uh I still like the Spider-Man quips in it. I like I like the guy who plays Spider-Man. 
Um, but as I'm watching it, you know, I, I start to realize I don't like Spider-Man and team-ups very much. Yeah. Uh, and I just talked about how great the Avenging Spider-Man is. But yeah. in this, it's you're dealing with new superhero teenagers that it's weird seeing Nova as a teenager. And it's weird seeing Luke Cage as a teenager. And they're not very cool. And then they have... I know this is, makes me sound like a total fanboy, but they have the White Tiger as some chick, and the White Tiger in Spectacular Spider-Man, the first like uh, I think it's issue seven and eight, is like the most racist supervillain ever. So it's kind of backlash. And then they have Doctor Doom have this goofy voice. And yeah, Doom is weird because Doom is an intelligent villain. Oh, he's he's you know, one of my like, favorite villains. He's, and he's not supposed to be you know Baron Underbite from the Venture Brothers. Like he's. <laughs> He's a smart dude. Why? Yeah. So th- I mean, why they treated him that way? Where like, oh, and then he's got this exo. He's not even really in it. Like spoilers no. for this shit. Well, episode. he has tons of Doom bots. I mean, that's yeah. in the comics too. But uh, you know, there's just some moments that just really take you out of the Spider-Man kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Like when there, I mean, there's some funny bits, but uh, when Spider-Man webs up Doctor Doom and then he puts him in a jet and flies away, you're going, what? Yeah. It's all of a sudden Spider-Man can fly a jet. <laughs> it's a shame because it's not it doesn't have the heart that Spider-Man is supposed to have. It's not involving there honestly there is no Peter Parker in no, this, in the I show. No. I agree. Uh so basically it's Spider-Man runs around and fights stuff and I guess I'm supposed to care about Nova and like I'm supposed to be learning this uh, this lesson about uh you know teaming up and yeah, and, it's and a, all of that, but it's juvenile yeah. to a point that is beyond what children shows need to be and I will come back to that in a minute. Um but yeah, but you know, there's some I mean there's some cool parts in it but I mean you I was excited when I saw the previews and Doctor Doom was in it. I said, "Oh, cool, bringing in Doctor Doom is a cool idea." But then they just it's stupid. Which leads me right into what else I've been watching is The Spectacular Either. Spider-Man season 2. Oh. That show is amazing and that that show was canceled bums me out. Yeah. Um I mean, because that show deals with Spider-Man and his main rogue villains and Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane and Harry Osborn. And, I mean, one of the the best twists, and uh, I shouldn't tell you because you want to borrow the first season. Yeah, yeah, don't tell me. uh, But they have a great twist in the first season, especially if you follow Spider-Man. And they also, sometimes, um, they did it with Ninja Turtles, uh, the cartoon. Sometimes they changed characters and it doesn't work. But they actually had Craven the Hunter, who is not a very good villain. He's only memorable because he's in a great story, the Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah. Um, but in this one, he can't best Spider-Man. So he asks uh, Miles Warren, who's the Jackal. It's long. But anyways, he engineers uh, a serum where it mutates him into like a lion. Where I mean, it, it could be goofy, but then it yeah. makes a lot of sense because... You know, that's the next progression is, right. you know, he's an animal now. He's hunting him and he has heightened senses and yeah. where it could be silly, but it works. And so that show works and that show's funny and amazing and it's everything Ultimate Spider-Man isn't. Yeah, Ultimate Spider-Man, either they are aiming at really, really young kids or they're talking down to children. Yeah. Those are the only two options so, because I mean, they're not, they're not trying to make a show, like they're not aiming for Pixar no. um, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll keep on watching it because I'm hoping that maybe the Green Goblin shows up eventually and, you know, cool villains, but yeah. I, I'm not really. Yeah, it's it's sad because coming out, especially calling it Ultimate Spider-Man yeah. after what how great the Ultimate exactly. Spider-Man comics are and how much they are the antithesis of what I just said. Like they 
are really great Spider-Man stories and put Spider-Man at the core of everything they do uh, and do it all very well. Like to to have this show be this bad is really it's, sad. It, it sucks. Yeah. It does. Um, and the last thing I watched this week is uh, the first episode of Game of Thrones. Really? I finally I got it for free when I bought Rome. I put it in and meh. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's. Uh, it's not and the like pilot a, episode is not that bad. Like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like terrible, but yep. there's nothing in the show that says, you know, I really need to see the second episode. Yep. Because even you know, actually, I'll tell you what um, pulled me out of it. And uh, spoilers is at the end that kid who's climbing the tower. Yeah. Walks in on brother and sister fucking, and man, that show does incest really poorly. Yeah. I, I'll so, talk about that later. Uh, so he. <laughs> So they push this little kid out the window, and yeah. he says, "I'll do anything for love." Like that kid falling to I, I'm guessing oh, not it's even the worst cliffhanger. I mean, guess not even his death because I'm pretty sure I saw that kid in like other. Oh yeah, episodes. no, no, he doesn't die. So I'm like, into a coma. so I'm like, that doesn't make me want to watch it because it's stupid and it's poorly handled. And oh yeah, no. And then he was running across the roofs, and you could tell it's total green screen. I'm like, oh yeah, um, yeah. That show for for how much that show cost. It does not show. Yeah, but I mean, there's great moments. I, there was actually, I love the scene with Sean Bean and his uh, king when they're underneath uh, the castle or wherever they're at, and they're talking about the sister that was buried there. I thought that was a really oh, yeah. cool scene. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about um, that. But I is mean, that the is that does that episode have the uh, the midget the scene fucking horse? It does. No, 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 the the scene where the midget uh, runs into uh, Ned Stark's son and the they bastard. talk about the yeah, bastard. Yeah, yeah, and they have that scene. Yeah. That was the scene where I was like, this is what this show should be. Exactly. And the fact that they wrote that scene so well and wrote the rest of it so poorly exactly. is such a sign of it's, the fact that they don't have their eyes set on the right prize. It's a little uneven. And then, yeah. you know, you're, you're, I guess you're supposed to know all these characters from different realms or different yeah. lands. And I'm like, okay. They, I, and, and I'm guessing that they gave that away for free is because they want you to buy the show and watch it. But yeah. that did not entice me to watch anything else, especially when I'm watching Rome. And I think Rome's actually really well made. Yeah. So yeah, that that's what I saw this week, and so I don't know if I'll ever watch another episode of Game of Thrones. If I do, my wife's and uh, parents recorded every single episode. You don't need to watch anymore. I'll lend okay. you a better show. Cool, Brad. Should you talk about what you've been watching? Because it looks like you're going to fall asleep over there. Well, I just. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's really, it's getting really I late seen in Spider Man, uh, Bangkok, or wherever. And I he haven't is. seen Game of Thrones, so what am I supposed to say? Say um, where is he? Bangladesh. Bangladesh. No, he's in Budapest. Budapest. He's is that even a city anymore, or did they change the name? I don't know. This isn't Mumford? Geography Nerds, James. <laughs> uh, I saw last week, uh, made a big deal out of it, I went and saw Robocop. You did? Oh, yeah. How was that? Um, it was pretty cool, uh, except for the f- part where the film broke. <gasps> what? No way. They broke the film? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, dude. Did they get the Simmons in? Huh? Did, they, did they get the rest of it started or yeah we had to wait like 10 minutes yeah but, um while they set up the new room. yeah the the projector went dark and everyone's sitting in the theater going hello <laughs> <laughs> and none of the because it's the midnight show the personnel are used to just kind of hanging out front yeah so we sat there for about five minutes and then i'm like is no one gonna get up and say anything so finally i went out the doors and there's this guy uh doing the concessions uh i'm just like hey um the the movies stopped <laughs> he's like what <laughs> oh, <fuck." laughs> and they get in there and they're taking her away it's cool because um the, you can see into the projector room because it's on the yeah. ground floor mm-hmm. and so they have these big like huge uh, about as you know bigger than this papasan chair in diameter stacked like three times high and there's this big reel just sitting on it and it's feeding into the 
projector. Wow. And I guess part of it's unattached, so yeah. they had to splice it back together. And then after that, it worked fine. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, is... it's it's amazing going back and like seeing that movie as um, just such a commentary on uh, glorified violence and mm. um, uh, war and uh, dystopian I- ideas in the '80s and things. Uh, yeah. You could do it. I mean, it's a, a Paul Verhoeven film isn't usually like very deep. <laughs> but, well, um, sometimes he tries to like Starship Troopers is the same it's kind afraid? of thing. Like, yeah, like he's trying to be deep, but it, at the same time, he does other things that completely counteract that. Yeah, like he has things to say, but then he's childish in the way he says them. Yeah, it's it, weird. It just and it just tackles like you know the man and machine. Uh, yeah duality or not duality but whatever um and, and seeing the audience react to things because you know growing up i didn't see it in the theater yeah. when i was young but seeing other people in mass watch it and react to like the one guy who gets toxic waste spilled on him and the oh, car yeah. thing and, and there's <laughs> people there who years. have never seen the movie before so yeah. seeing them uh getting engaged into it and uh yeah it was cool cool uh nice. and then oddly enough uh hbo has been having robocop and RoboCop 2 running. So, like, a day later, I got to rewatch RoboCop 2. Awesome. Um, but unfortunately, not all of it, because it was really late and I fell asleep. But, yeah. like, I've seen it before, and um, it was directed by Irvin Kirshner, who did mm-hmm. the Star, Star Wars yeah. movie. Um, and it was written by Frank Miller. Um, who, and Who is over the top. <laughs> I think he handles, because he is over the t- top, he, I, he gets the... Uh, overtopness of the RoboCop yeah. um, story. He makes so, that movie pretty badass. Yeah. So like, whereas RoboCop two, I feel is like a generally disregarded sequel. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's pretty awesome. It's the only movie, I, only There's RoboCop some I fucked own. Up things in it, huh? Yeah. It's the only one I own, oh. and it's because of the, some of that fucked up shit, like <laughs> the like the the kid having to watch some guy get tortured and shit like that. That's just like it's yeah. weird. I saw the brain in the jar as a kid yes. on TV, and I thought it was like the awesomest thing ever. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. too cool. Well, yeah, and, any cr- and that he guy steps is on the, dude's the villain brain at the in end. Uh, Last Action Hero. The what? The villain in the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he the is. Last Action oh, Hero. Oh, yeah. Guy. I love Last Action Hero. Way ahead uh, of its time. Uh, yeah, yeah, so that was cool. That stuff. And then, um, the, uh, did I talk about The Fugitive? Because on no. uh, another episode? No. No. Why? I guess Are TNT's you... been running it a lot, and I thought I talked about it then. Well, yeah, but... it's TNT. They always run the Fugitive. <laughs> yeah. We just talked about that earlier. <laughs> Uh, it showed up again. Blue streak. Even though I'd watched it weeks before, I still sat through it again because it's so awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I was watching it on TV. I yeah. put it on Blu-ray recently. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's like it's the first movie as a kid that's like an adult movie that I watched that yeah. I was really into. A movie that is rated R. Is it rated R? Yeah. yeah. There's just a couple things that they cut out. Uh, other than that, that movie doesn't need to be rated R. I think, like, I, I think know. maybe in the scene where she gets killed, maybe. No one swears Maybe in the movie. I, remember. I, I think there is like a single clip of nudity. Um, nice. Boobs. Because I think like I think there's I think in the flashback maybe and then she's I wearing remember. a nightgown, but I mean it's pretty. And I think I, you're wrong. I, I you could be. I I could. Yeah. It might just be I, for I, f words, but well, it's I, definitely rated. There's on. no f words in it. Well, I think her on death TV? is no. actually when they do a flashback. No, I, I have the DVD. I've I think seen. the flashback when she's murdered, I think, is pretty graphic. If I yeah, remember correctly. I think that's what it is. I mean, I don't think it's as graphic as things are now. But no. In the court, they say they crush her skull with a uh, object or whatever, but uh, watching the flat, I, I don't know. 
Yeah, I have to watch it. I haven't seen my it memories. It, it, I remember being PG thirteen, even not on TV. So hmm. you're totally right. It is PG thirteen. I'm a liar. Eat it. Yeah, Don't in your you face. Him repeat it. I know my movies. I'm a real nerd. Uh, and then I'm not. I'm going since on. we're not going to talk about uh, Mad Men this week, I would like to talk about the pitch. Did you watch it? No. No. What's the pitch? Um, as a graphic design advertising geek, uh, I was really excited to watch an hour's worth of. Uh, ad agencies trying to sell um, to Subway without all the 60s drama. It's basically like Mad Men. It's but Mad Men, but the... real world. It's like a reality show version of yeah. Mad Men. Oh, okay. uh, I don't. Like, I've been trying to. I don't think I should call it a reality show. It's more like a documentary show. Where oh. It just follows. Yeah. You know, there's no storyline like, um, you know, these two uh, executives right. are fighting and. Yeah. No. No. It's I mean, not, there's there's nobody gets fired at the end of the episode, but I. I yeah. There's drama where like people. Like disagree, but right. you know, there's no like character thing. It's just it's like a TLC. Versus... It's like a TLC reality show. <laughs> yeah, and there's you no know? like gimmicky teen, contest. Teen mom it's just of Mad Men. You land the business. And dance, that's it. dance. No one Somebody like... should get fired at the end of every episode of <laughs> Teen Mom. That oh gosh, that would be great. Well, no, just fired. Like no, just make their their life worse, and that would. Uh, anyway, um, no, you're no, you're good. Okay, you're good. That one works if you want to talk into it. Brad, are you done? Uh, that's it. Yeah. Since okay. Um, I saw a couple of things. Two, well, one of my favorite shows ended this week, and two of my favorite shows began. Um, Justified has its uh, season finale this week. Neither of you guys watch it, correct? No. Okay, you're both morons. Um, no, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. What? Really, uh, honestly, dick. if anyone, I mean to, I really do. Because uh, Entertainment Weekly, it keeps on saying how great it is. It is amazing. Like, if you've ever well, liked, if you if you've ever liked a like uh, an episodic cop show kind of thing ever at all, it is the best 24? one I've ever seen. Uh, well, yeah, law and sure. order. Yeah, no, yeah, it's more like boom, boom. anything like in a, a Law and Order, a Terriers, any of those shows. It's better than all of those. Um, is it like? It, does it have the Law and Order theme song, but played with a viol? Uh, no, I mean it's more it's more serialized. That's the thing. I was like, the 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 fact that they serialize that show is what makes it so fantastic. And and I know you don't watch it because you don't like Timothy Ola Fantastic. I do not. But uh, I like him in Die Hard. He's he's great. He's badass in Deadwood. Yeah, yeah and so, he's yeah. that character in this show. Yeah, he really is. Um, and it's it's great. This is the uh, season where they had um, Neil McDonough as the villain. Um, and he was just terrifying. Uh, I don't. I, it's not too much spoilers because it'll take you three seasons to get there. But you know, it, I've never seen a show where they they introduce this villain, and at the beginning he is really um, like he's he's got the mob behind him and he's really a badass. And then every episode they knock him down a little until he is like this caged wolf, um, and you just really. You do not know what he's going to do, and he is terrifying. Just because he could, he could kill any of your favorite characters at that point. You really don't. You don't trust the writers to do the right thing, um, which is terrifying. And the show is the finale was great. Um, better than season one, not as good as season two, but that's because season two is special. Um, the Borgias came back this week, uh, which is my favorite new show of last year, um, and it it's it wasn't the best first episode um but it's because they're setting a lot of stuff up uh and i'm looking forward to that show being great what's funny is especially if you watch season one of that show and you watch season one of game of thrones at the same time 
they are the same show, and they do a lot of the same exact scenes. Like, seriously, the same scene, only they do it way better, and they build their characters in a way that makes you care about those characters, whereas Game of Thrones does not. Um, so when I buy season one of Borgias, I'll lend it to you, because you'll love it. Sweet. Uh, they also do incest better than Game of Thrones. You know, I mean, that's all I'm asking for. So <laughs> I want Finally, incest that is not banging from yeah. behind. I mean, uh, exactly, exactly. No, no, no. It's subtle. No one ever has sex. They just really want to, <laughs> like, really want to. Um, uh, and then uh, the Legend of Korra, which so it's like the, the CS floor in uh, Ingersoll. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, you're the what's worst. going on? I don't get what's going on. What's, ha- what's uh, happening? Because uh, I, when I was in college, my freshman year, I was on the the computer science floor in Ingersoll Hall, and it's everybody wants to have sex, but no one ever does. Yeah. yeah, I was sitting here thinking like it sounds like Twilight. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> so many levels uh, that joke works. So the new show, Avatar: The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, which. It's uh, a long title. Yeah. It should be called Avatar The Legend of Korra, but unfortunately they made that garbage movie. So it's the Legend of or it's The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, which doesn't make sense because this one's not about the Last Airbender. Uh that, that started up this week. Um and I guess they've actually been given away for free on iTunes for the last couple weeks, I guess, but I didn't watch it until this week. And it's really good. Uh when it comes to I've I said this about The Last Airbender as well. When it comes to kid shows, that to me is the par. Um, and the fact that I can watch that show and have fun with it as an adult says something about how well written that show is. Because as much as, like, it's still a show where there will be morals and the characters will learn lessons about working together and things like that. Um, but they do it in a mature enough way and they make those characters, they flesh those characters out and make you relate to them in realistic ways that it, I, I can watch that show and enjoy it the way that I watch a Pixar film, the way that I can't watch Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, because they're not talking down to kids. They're telling kids great stories. I mean, it's, it's, there's something to be said for the fact that J.J. Abrams uh, wrote and directed one of the episodes in, in the first series because he recognized how good that show is. Um, if, if you haven't seen Last Airbender, you should check it out. Uh, and Legend of Korra is, is pretty cool. It's, um, she is basically in this universe, there are four different kinds of magic, earth, wind, fire, and water, and obviously... Uh, and then it's also the story in Sub Zero mythologies. What is Sub Zero mythology? Uh, he has to defeat Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> oh shit! Not the band, the elements. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, and they're they're like different people who can do each of those magics, but then there's one person who can do all four. Do they have to and do the fatality at the end? Because that'd be just no. like mythologies. <laughs> no. Um, anyway, and it's it's really cool. Uh, this time, the lead character is a, is a girl, and that's cool. Uh, but anyway, uh, you guys don't give a shit about this awesome show. And the other thing is, you know, for, for weeks now, longer than that, two months or so, you've been doing Robert Downey Jr. movies mm-hmm. every week. Uh, and I was kind of inspired by that. Oh, nice. Um, and there's this guy who I've, I've wanted to see his movies and I've heard great things about his movies and I've seen a couple and I have enjoyed most of them, but felt like for my own movie education, I should see more of them. And it's David Mamet. Um, yeah. who I've always been a big fan of uh, Aaron Sorkin, and he gets compared to David Mamet a lot, except that David Mamet says fuck more. Um, and I'd seen Glengarry Gun Ross, which is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. ABC. Yeah. Um, and I think I had seen The Edge before, but if so, it was a long time ago, and I didn't remember it enough to appreciate it. 
Uh, so this week, and I, I was reminded of it because of the gray, which we saw like two mm. months ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the edge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the edge is Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins. <laughs> and uh, Alec Baldwin uh, get. Uh, they go out into the woods, where they're they're flying, and they they crash in the woods, and they have to survive. And Anthony Hopkins is this billionaire who has read a lot and knows a lot of things, and sort of his knowledge gets put to the test. And Alec Baldwin is a photographer who's in love with. Uh, Anthony Hopkins' wife, clearly, like he's, you know, kind of chasing this guy's wife, um, and then they get stuck in the woods together. Um, and the movie, unlike The Gray, which I think sets up the tone and the realism of that 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 situation really well, um, this one there are definitely things that happen that I'm like, okay, how you know, like there's a point where they kill an animal, and the, in the next scene they're wearing the skin of that animal, and I'm like, no, no, you guys, you cannot skin an animal and immediately have dried animal hide to warm yourself with like it's little bear things like that, that <laughs> i saw uh, bear grills skin a, a dead seal and use it as a wetsuit right away so yeah but it was it was <laughs> bloody awful. it was yeah. bloody and gross and like yeah i guess it was yeah like these guys have dried pelts wrapped <laughs> around them and they've sewed them together and shit like it's wow. weird and, and that's partially because like the script here is amazing. Like he he sets things up and calls back to them in ways that you don't expect. And he'll it, it the script is fantastic and absolutely impressive. And um and having somebody like cool. Anthony Hopkins deliver those lines, there there are a couple of really great little speeches that are fantastic. Um, but unfortunately, it's directed by um uh, the guy who did shoot. Now I don't remember the other garbage that he did. But it's nothing good. Uh, oh, Triple X State of the Union. The sequel oh, to Triple X. With Ice Cube. With Ice Cube. My favorite Triple X. He did Next. And worst of all, he did Die Another, Another Day. Day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> he just, like. I can't remember the name, but yeah, as, as you were going through it, I was like, I think. Uh, I it, yeah. Lee. It, Tamahori. Tamahori yeah. yeah. It's hard to say his last name. That's why I forgot it. Um, and the thing is, like, it's a 1997 movie and they don't use a CG. Ba- the, the story is basically they have to fight a killer bear like a man-eating bear. Um, and they don't use a CG bear, and so there's some green screen stuff and some you know trickery in the way they shoot things, and he doesn't do it very well. Uh, and he doesn't film the movie very well. And so there are things that just fall apart because of him. But script-wise, it's, it's fantastic, and you should check it out. It's on Netflix, so you can watch it for free. Remember cool. James Bond escaped that melting glacier in, in CG? Oh, yeah. He was falling. He was, like, <laughs> air skiing and pointing at shit like he was on a tour. I'm not yeah. in front of a green screen at all. No, oh, it was the worst. <laughs> yeah, and it totally it looks like that. There are a couple of scenes where it's, like, Anthony Hopkins running in front of footage of a bear running through the woods. And you're like, oh, come on. This was so good a second ago. Put Anthony ago. Hopkins in front of a real bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they did. They had, like, the first credit that comes up is them thinking, uh, uh, like, Bart the bear, because he is the bear, the trained bear that they use. Yeah, every like a giant Kodiak bear. It's pretty good. You should check it out. Sweet. I will. Yeah. And then watch the bear become captivated by Anthony Hopkins' brilliant acting. Oh, <laughs> uh, and his gorgeous blue eyes. And Wait, then what? when they finally killed it at the end, he had it with some fava beans and a nicely chilled Chianti. <laughs> hey yo. Ah. Uh, yeah. That movie's good. So great. Now I gotta find something to latch on to and watch you all d- the films of. Well, not, not until I get done with David Mamet. You, you got he's not done with Robert Downey. I know. That's I true, get... but he's down to he's down to the dregs, man. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. 
What did we see this week? Oh, dude, we saw The Cabin in the Woods, and James, should people go see The Cabin in the Woods? <laughs> yeah. Brad, should people go see The Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, for one reason only. <laughs> what is that reason? I can't spoil it. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, for one reason, Brad, I think it's the best movie of the year because it so was far? Ama- yeah, because it was amazing. I feel like you have to sit through a lot to get to the punchline. But a lot, like of, a lot of the stuff He's... you sit through is great. Meh. Oh, man. <laughs> How are you not? Oh, all right. We're going to fight. Lori, did you want to hang out? We're going to spoil this movie pretty bad. Yeah, we are. Everybody ready? This is awesome. Whoa. No way. The lambs have passed through the gate. They are come to the killing floor. Get this party started! I seriously believe something weird is going on. What is that thing? We have to stay together. This isn't right. We should split up. Yeah, good idea. Really? We gotta get out of here. So I guess I, I should have said that, you know, you can't really talk about this movie without totally spoiling the movie. Yeah. Um, so if you don't want to hear it and you just want to go see how awesome this movie is, go see it and then come back and because listen to us. Because the, the, the trailers, with the exception of one thing, do an amazing job of not actually telling you what this movie is. Because and what it this, is not what it advertises. You know, what, what's great about this movie is right away the first scene is just two guys who work in an office. And they're having what seems like a normal conversation. Yeah. And these two guys are Richard Jenkins and uh, Bradley Whitford. And those two actors are amazing in their own right. Yeah. And he's talking about, you know, baby proof in their house and that she, his wife even baby proofed cabinets are too high for him to reach until he's 31. And, <laughs> you know, just classic. Uh, really great, sharp Joss Whedon. Dialogue. Yeah. And then they, then uh, Amy Aker shows up from Angel. I love her. Yeah. And uh, she's talking to him about how they're prepping something. And I mean, I, I knew I've obviously from what the movie is about, I knew they're prepping some sort of like horror yeah. thing for him. Uh, 
and then it just they I, the 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 giant red cabin, cabin in the, the woods yeah. uh, uh, title card shows up on top of that, yeah. which is so jarring because it actually it starts with like a traditional horror opening credits where like there's blood going everywhere yeah. and all this ritual sacrifice stuff and you're like what is going on like oh this is a normal kind of horror movie and then it goes into that scene and then it does the big credits and you're like what the fuck is going on yeah. and it's because the entire movie is split between like what's going on in the cabin in the woods and these guys in this office that are controlling what's going on in the cabin in the exactly. woods exactly and uh so being a huge horror movie fan uh i mean they play on every cliche yeah that has ever existed in horror movies and i think uh, in fact they make them they make them a vital part of the plot exactly um, that you have you i i mean i just love this movie i really did i i thought it was really funny i i loved the the two sides of what you were seeing you were seeing these kids being terrorized by <laughs> zombie rednecks <laughs> yeah uh, yes and then you have these guys rooting for them to be killed yeah uh it, it was just is really funny because it's basically like uh that you're those kids are in the movie and you're in the audience with the guys who are controlling the movie yeah so you kind of know what's happening but you don't know what's happening uh it, it's, it a was, com- it's a commentary on the way that the that that traditional the traditional tropes of that genre um control what happens in a movie exactly um in this way that like when we go to see it like when we went to see creature we knew exactly that this bitch could not die until she was naked mm-hmm. you know and it wasn't very satisfying because that movie was garbage yeah but you knew those things because of the rules that were set up by the traditions of that genre um yeah and, and you it, know th- i uh, there's just so many uh clever scenes i love uh how they kind of build up what's happening because, you know, they're taking bets on something, and you don't know what they're taking bets on. Yeah. Until you realize, they say, well, they, when they get in the cellar, they make the choice, and then they're t- taking these bets. And that was such a cool idea. Yeah, you say, what are they... That's really that's really the twist where... Because up until then, you feel like, okay, so the deal is these guys are running this whole system to kill these kids as a ritual sacrifice for, you know, ancient gods, the way that people used to do ritual sacrifices. Mm-hmm. But then, when you find out that, like, it's random what what nasty monster is released upon them uh-huh. that was really the moment where i was like oh this is so cool i, know, I really want like, to watch it again such a great idea because there were so many funny little uh things they could that could have happened to them did on you the see board. the deadites was on that board i did see the, the deadites were on the board <laughs> and i'll say that there's so many shots from evil dead in that that it's not even funny yeah i mean yeah, the the low angle up to the cabin with where, where where they the go in the cellar and you see the shoes i mean yeah it's great um, it's kind of like, I would compare this sort of to a, sort of the Shaun of the Dead of American horror movies. Yeah. Um, because the well, truth is, I would say- not only American horror movies, the Japanese bit was oh, yeah. fucking classic. Yeah. Uh, but, but I would <laughs> say that this movie is a comedy. Like, I really, yeah. I am, I am really weak at, at horror movies. Like, it's really easy to scare me. And this movie didn't really ever scare me. Like, there were- there were a couple of good jump scares, um, but and I would you know like the the zombie rednecks were creepy looking, and some of the other monsters were That's creepy so. looking, but it wasn't it wasn't like this tension filled like I'm not gonna go home and be nervous that there's something in the backseat of my car yeah. like it's not that scary, um, but it is that funny. Yeah, and it, I mean it's really well done. I thought everything about the movie was well done. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Brad. But, what what did you not like about the movie? Because you kind of said you only liked one part about it. Well, I I I felt like it was more to me. It was just a satire of slasher movies. 
Um, I, I thought it's it, definitely some of that. Yeah, I, I got the commentary about it. Like they're tackling all these cliches and making light of them, and you know, uh, also pointing out like also making a commentary on the audience who goes sees them by mm-hmm. you know, uh, everyone in the uh the lab or the office is totally desensitized yeah. to everything that's going on like these horrible and things are and going they're, on they're really rooting for people to get murdered the way that exactly. horror audiences are which, rooting for people to get so murdered so we come out to see yeah is mm, to see yeah. how these kids get killed which is fucked up yeah um so i appreciated all that but i just felt like it took like they i felt like they needed to tackle every cliche they could so i was like okay i got it after a while and um and so most of the time i was just like where is this going like i, I see there's something weird they're controlling something but i want to know like i want to know faster what they're trying to do but instead they slow it down by like okay we gotta tackle this cliche and like do a joke on this cliche and do a joke on this thing and then finally by the end i was like finally like there's this awesome third act where all the cliches build up and come out and just like yeah and i was gonna say my favorite part is when they take it even further and just have a unicorn come out <laughs> and impale that guy like the least threatening ant like oh monster. Well, yes well you have to like, set up too that i mean the point is is when they're picking what horrible death is you know they go into this underground part that has all these monsters in it mm-hmm. and a sterling white unicorn is one of the mm-hmm. monsters yeah. that yeah just, oh, just the monsters in general monsters, yeah. are awesome because they're not yeah. all like they're all kind of based on some stuff but some mm-hmm. of them are, like there's the one like the the robot scorpion thing that's just covered in blades and just like cuts people into bits. Like, I don't even know what yeah. that was or how it would be in a cabin in the woods. A, yeah, but I wanted a, to see it was that a movie. saw blade robot or something. Like, you just yeah. had all these yeah. arms with saw blades <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Uh, of course, like, I thought a big it was snake and great too. You know, those army guys were going to take everybody out, and then, you know, all the monsters were released through the elevators and. Uh, the two heroes are running past the corridor, and they look, and there's blood and guts everywhere, and there's just zombies mon- munching on like entrails. And <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, that's amazing. And uh, but I mean, yeah, I, I guess. But to me, it wasn't that they were trying to hit each each cliche. I think they were trying to. I don't know. Like I, I, I think they did a good enough job of setting up those characters in all the ways that creature doesn't. That even though they are making fun of those horror elements. I think the movie becomes an entry into the horror genre because it it makes me like those characters and I don't want to see them die. Yeah, actually, like, I, I do. I, I do feel bad in the sex scene in the in the woods where I'm like, no. I mean, well, I mean, she's yeah, kind for, of annoying, but like, I don't want her to die at that point. Yeah, I didn't um, care about them. They're just vessels for me to get this idea across. So that's why I got from hmm. the movie. You I, didn't care about any. You didn't care about like the dude. Who no, gets I, I just stabbed thought, in the neck. I just saw them as I like these representatives of these things that they're trying to make jokes of. Like, I didn't see them mm. as like, see, yeah, I I've, know three of three of the four of them are going to die at some point. So whatever. Yeah. Well, to, well, to me though, well, actually, but that's I, every horror movie. The I, cool I, thing though, was the twist where, you know, they make the, which one's the virgin ambiguous. Yeah. Until the very end. Um, so that was cool. Like, I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. Like, I thought that guy was dead. Um, yeah, you know, oh, I really, cause I, that's actually the thing. See, I the thing that bugs that me part, the most though. about the movie is that, they, in the trailer, they show you the scene in the elevator, so I knew he had to come back. Oh, see, I totally missed that part. I didn't pay much attention to the trailer. So, uh, oh, I, I think that's such a big moment in the trailer that it was hard for me to ever forget. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like naked Olivia Wilde for Cap- Cap- Cowboys and Aliens. Like, you you can't show that in the trailer and then expect me to forget that by the movie. Mm, naked Olivia Wilde. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> but but to me, actually, uh, what you were saying is, I thought that they actually did a better job. That they. They had to make these kids stupid so they fell into the horror cliches. Yeah, because uh, they just wouldn't do it on their own. 
And actually, one cool thing is they didn't kill themselves the way stupid kids do in those movies. Like, yeah. the way they die, they're actually acting smart, but it's because the control center has so much control because they can't avoid it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, oh, man, I had a, a moment. It's like no one steps on a rake, you know, and kills himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like that whole that whole opening sequence in the bedroom, I think, is is just great. And oh, I, yeah. I, I like those kids there. That's what I was going to talk about. The the Me and you, are, I think, were the only ones who laughed. But there's an old PSA commercial yes. about oh, doing yeah. drugs and where <laughs> you learned it from, from and they learned it from you and they're talking about studying and stuff and I thought it was really funny. Yeah. No, <laughs> where, it's great. Where did you get this? I learned it from watching you. Yeah. It's great. And he, in traditional Joss Whedon style, he starts a joke and doesn't let you know it's a joke until it's gone so far that you're like, oh yeah, this is totally, yeah. he's really doing this as, because when that scene, when they start going, you're like, wait, what is going on? Because it's, he plays it in this it's it's brilliant he he gives that first line to like the jock character mm-hmm. so that you almost at first you're like is this guy like some kind of like wife beating douchebag <laughs> who's like no you don't get to learn books like that's the way it comes off at first and then when he goes into that joke it's fantastic yeah oh because uh, then of course you learn that that guy is actually really smart and you know mm-hmm. um yeah uh, I, he had a wily e coyote death though <laughs> yes oh he falls forever man because uh. <laughs> they set up too like i'm gonna make it and you know i was watching it that you know that bird hit it first yeah so you know he's not gonna make it yeah and he's so cocksure that he's and, gonna make it and the long shot there where like he's jumping from the right side of the screen to the left he's like it's totally out of a cartoon like he just keeps going and going in slow motion and then he hits it. Oh, it's great! And you know the merman was, <laughs> and that <laughs> nice, probably nice is yeah. Like, that probably is for me the place where it starts to lull. Where like, yeah, about the time they kill him is where I'm like, okay, you're you you can't fill another hour with this. Like you gotta yeah move this a little quicker. And then they do. Like they know that, and they kill the other yeah. dude. And then next yeah, you thing know, you know, I mean, if you really look, there were some really creepy things in there. I mean, oh yeah, the uh, the one security guy <laughs> was attacked by like monster scarecrows like i thought yes. i thought the uh, creatures in it were really i mean we've already talked about were really creative because you know they did play on a bunch of horror elements and that's yeah. why i really want to when i get the blu-ray i want to look at that board i want to see what other things they have on there because i caught the deadites you know the redneck zombies was another one like vampires werewolves obviously, yeah they're all the normal so. ones but then there were just the goofy ones and then you know how the one guy says, hey, I got zombies. Like, oh, you didn't get redneck zombies. You know, it's because there's two different versions. And You got the weird pinhead guy with saws in his yeah. head. Mm. Which I wanted to know. I wanted to see those saws, like, turn. Yeah, it seems like there was moments at the end that were cut out. Yeah. Because they made a big deal of that guy being released out of the elevator, but then he yeah. didn't show up again. Mm. I wanted to see what they came up with for his thing. Yeah. Like, like maybe a, he opens that thing and a unicorn pops out of it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's where the unicorn came from. That'd be awesome. <laughs> but that was that was really sh- like These funny and shocking oh, gosh, because because yeah. you know it ca- happens kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, there's all that blood and carnage, and then all of a sudden you see this white unicorn running. <laughs> they have to get the they have to get the movie tonally to a certain place where you can pull off murderous unicorns. <laughs> exactly, I agree. Like it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> it's great. And man, then uh, it's yeah. like a Father's Day thing is great. <laughs> It, this is better than a trauma movie. I want to make that clear. Yes. That's a trauma movie gag inserted in that movie. Uh, yeah. I, okay. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was great. So yeah, everyone should go see that movie. Absolutely. You can like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can email us, realnerds at gmail.com. You can also 
read our awesome blog, which I will post this week. I will post the rankings of my Robert Downey Jr. movies at realnerds.tumblr.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, real underscore nerds. Next week, we are seeing The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek Two, And we are also seeing, I don't what's in Comic-Con Episode 4 and Fans Hope? Is that what it's called? Oh, Fans Hope, yeah. Fans Hope, yep. Yeah. And we'll be seeing that as well because there is no good movie coming out that is new besides the Comic-Con movie. So, yeah. Stay tuned for that. And I've never seen Wrath of Khan. And I've never been to a Star Trek convention. So, oh, yeah, we're going to Star Next Fest, too. Next week be really weird. We'll have some Comic-Con, or t- Starfest uh, recordings or whatever. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Maybe I can find another sweet Buffy action figure. Every year I go there, I find a cool action figure. Two years ago, I found the original Buffy action figure. At Um, Starfest? Yeah, and then last year... I'm going to spend so much money. I found uh, a Resident Evil 2 Claire Redfield with a zombie with a brain pouring out of it um, action figure, which is really cool. Dude, I want a Buffy vampire. So, yeah. If you live in the Denver area... uh, Come hang out with us on Saturday. Yeah, we'll, we'll be at Starfest. Not this Saturday, next Saturday. Next Saturday, April 21st. We will be there and having fun. Until I hope. Next, yeah, we will. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.